الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله واصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا اما بعد فقد قال تبارك وتعالى في القران المجيد والفرقان الحميد انما المؤمنون الذين اذا ذكر الله وجلت قلوبهم واذا تليت عليهم اياته زادتهم ايمانا وعلى ربهم يتوكلون وقال تعالى من عمل صالحا من ذكر او انثى وهو مؤمن فلنحيينه حياه طيبه صدق الله صدق الله مولانا العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين respected ulama ikram elders and brothers the ayat which i recited in the khutbah wherein allah tabarak wa ta'ala gives us the prescription for a very happy and enjoyable life every person in this dunya he wants to live a peaceful happy enjoyable life a problem free life naturally as human beings within our minds we have formed different opinions as to how we will achieve this happy life most people think to themselves that if we have got wealth we are very very wealthy we've got a certain bank balance we have got some investments in place then we will live a happy life but experience will show us that wealth cannot give you true happiness maybe to some extent wealth can make your life a bit comfortable maybe in your mind you feel to yourself that i have got things in place in order i have got things under control but we all do realize that wealth is not really going to give you true happiness because some of the most depressed people in our own cities you will find are wealthy people those are the people that are always going to the psych- psychiatrists and psychologists and they spending so much of money for inner peace so if it really was wealth then the wealthy person would have been the happiest person in the world and some people have got you know other things in their mind some people feel to themselves an exotic holiday if i take a holiday five star resorts i pay a premium price and i go for that holiday 
But that also is just to a certain extent. Maybe for a little while a person is there, he may feel a bit peaceful. But this is not true happiness. It's not inner happiness. It's not the happiness, you know, which you can take on the challenges of life, that inner peace and serenity that you have. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created man. Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows you better than yourself. He knows what is better for you. Allah knows better what is better for you. You do yourself don't know. You're a human being, you are influenced by your surroundings, you are influenced by society, by propaganda. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you, Man amila saliham min dhakarin o untha wa huwa mu'min. That person who does good deeds, whether it be a male, a female, but with iman, with conviction, he knows that this good deeds is a means of my success. You know, very often we will hear the elan that is being given after the namazes by the visiting jamaats, etc. My success, your success, the success of the entire ummah lies in deen, entire mankind. Success lies in deen. Remember, this is a very, very powerful message. It's a very powerful message. But you need to ponder and understand the meaning of this message. Entire deen, deen completely. Many of us understand deen to be only in the masjid. Some took deen to be only ibadat. Deen is only namaz. No, deen is an entire way of life. Every facet of your life needs deen. Even your personal life, even your interaction with people, your business, every single facet of your life requires deen. If you can bring that deen in your life, you are successful. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says regarding that person, فَلَنُحْيَنَّهُ حَيَاتًا طَيِّبًا Allah is saying definitely, we're going to give him a very comfortable, very peaceful, a happy life. That man is going to live a content life. He's going to live a peaceful life. You will see him always. That that person is always serene. He's got serenity with him. In the worst of situations, Allah will keep him calm. Allah will keep him serene. Allah will give him that sabr. Allah will give him that patience. Remember in this dunya, you will go through challenges. Anbiya alayhi went through challenges. So everyone is going to go through challenges. But if you got that peace and that serenity, and you got that support of Allah, that help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, your life will be very, very comfortable. Your life will be peaceful. Otherwise, when you go to challenges, first thing your mind will go to suicide. You know, now I'm going through a challenge. I'd rather take my life away. It's better that I'm not in this dunya. All these thoughts will go into your mind. But when Allah is supporting you, Allah is helping you, Allah is aiding you, Allah is guiding you, then that life becomes very, very comfortable and it becomes very enjoyable. And we do understand, respected friends, in this dunya, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created properties in things. Person knows fire has got heat in it. Ice has got coolness in it. A person understands the harms of poison. You tell him, by this is poison. You want to just experiment, just take it a little bit, just a little bit of it. Experiment. This is a small snake, man. It's not a very big snake. Just let it bite you a few times. Let's see what happens. Is any sane person willing to take that chance? No, no sane person. He doesn't want to go near that because he understands now this is something dangerous. So in Amal also, Allah created properties. Good Amal will bring about Allah's help. 
Allah's aid, Allah's support, Allah's mercy, Allah's guidance. And sins is going to bring about Allah's anger. It's going to bring about Allah's punishment. What was the secret behind the success of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum? What power did they have? What force did they have? How educated were they? Which universities did they go to? Did you ever ask yourself that question? How was Sahaba so successful, so powerful, so mighty? It was the barakat of amal. It was the barakat of iman. It was the barakat of taqwa. Hazrat Safina radiallahu ta'ala, he's in Rome. And he's lost from his army, according to some reports, that he was captured and then he managed to run away from the enemy. Imagine this man all alone in a foreign land and he sees a lion and he addresses the lion and he says, Ya Abul Harith. That is how they normally address the lion. I am the freed slave of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is my problem, this is my situation. The lion comes happily on his side. It is shaking its tail like a dog. And the lion is escorting him, the lion is walking with him. Respected friends, this is no fairy tale. This is not something coming from some Enid Blyton book or anything. This is a reality. It is coming with authentic narrations. This was Sahaba. This was what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed them with. When they became obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah made the systems of the world work in favor of them. Because remember, who is in control? Who is in control of everything? You can have the best of commodities. You can have all the materialistic things you want. Who will put that enjoyment in that? You can have the best fruit. But imagine if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes your taste buds away. Will you enjoy that fruit? Will you be able to taste it? A person is eating the best of food, but he's got some problem, something is troubling him, something is worrying him. Will he enjoy that food? The best of food you put in front of him. The best of fruits you put in front of him. No enjoyment. Remember when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when you disobey Allah, what Allah does is Allah takes that enjoyment out. Now that enjoyment is not going to be there anymore for you. You can do what you want, all the money in the world, everything you've got, but no happiness, no peace, because Allah is in control. So Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum, they understood this lesson very well. Allah is in control. So that is why now Hazrat Safina radiallahu anhu is walking with this lion, this is his personal bodyguard. The lion is hearing a sound on one side, it's, it's rushing to that side. Hearing a sound on the other side, it's rushing to that side, making sure that no harm will come to this companion of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Until he takes him to the army, to the rest of his companions, and the lion goes away. So this was Sahaba. This is what they had. They didn't have some big degrees or something, no. They didn't study in some big universities. They didn't have some, you know, sophisticated types of means and some big names or big titles, no. What they had, the obedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And loyalty to the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Whatever Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa told us, that was final. We didn't need to hear it from anyone else. Whoever you are, you may be the superpower, you may be the most sophisticated nation, good for you. We will follow what Rasulullah sallallahu said. And there's no need to reinvent the wheel in anything. Because the life of Rasulullah sallallahu is in front of us. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was the most responsible person. 
So whatever he did is the most responsible thing to do. You can never do what Rasulullah did and then someone say you're being irresponsible. It's impossible because Rasulullah was the selected servant of Allah. Allah in, subhanahu wa ta'ala guided him in every juncture of his life. So you just have to follow the Rasulullah and you find now that life becomes so peaceful, life becomes so comfortable. Now you're gaining the aid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now you got Allah with you. When you got Allah with you, who is there for you to fear? Who is there for you to worry? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had kept properties in amal. You know, you hear this term taqwa. You always hear taqwa throughout the Quran Sharif. How many times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about taqwa? What is taqwa? In essence, taqwa is to stay away from all the things that Allah had prohibited. Allah prohibited it. Rasulullah stay away from it. No questions asked. No debates. No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's clear, it's there. What do you have to debate about? What do you have to discuss? What's the deliberation? Allah stopped you. Rasulullah stopped you. That is taqwa. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you to do, now you bring that in your life. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah commanded me to do this. Rasulullah commanded me to do this. It's there. It's in the books. If you're doubting it, you want the, you know, you want... You, you, you want the reference The reference can be made available to you This is the reference, this is the book This is the page number This is what Rasulullah said So this is taqwa When a person brings taqwa Then the Quran Sharif says You know, if you want barakat in your life A lot of people are speaking about barakat And they're complaining now You know, there's no barakat No barakat in time No barakat in wealth No barakat in sustenance No barakat, you know, in our lives Allah is saying, وَلَوْ أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْقُرَىٰ آمَنُوا وَاتَّقُوا لَفَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَرَكَاتٍ مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ If the people of the cities just have to bring iman, and they have to bring taqwa, so we're going to open up the barakat and the blessings for them of the skies and the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you the prescription of barakat. وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا وَيَرْزُقْهُ مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبْ That person who fears Allah, who got taqwa, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make a way out for him. As I mentioned, this dunya, there's going to be challenges. You're going to get trials. Hardships are going to come. It's definitely going to come. Allah is telling you that in the Quran also. We're going to test you. But Allah is going to make a way out for you. Allah is going to show you a solution. Allah is going to show you an opening. And Allah says, we will provide for him from such avenues that his mind never went to also. You never even thought that risk is going to come to you from that avenue. You never thought Allah is going to open that, that barakat for you from that avenue. But the condition is taqwa. So now taqwa has got this property in it. It's got the speciality. Once you adopt taqwa, this is what the effect is going to be. We know this dunya is a place of cause and effect. We understand it in everything else. We understand cause and effect. Why is it when it comes to amal, we cannot understand cause and effect. When there's taqwa, now there's going to be barakah. Now there's going to be goodness. Like that you take all the different amal. Time doesn't permit us now to go into the details. But you take salah. Look at salah. Salah is the key to the treasures of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But remember when you speak about salah, it's not just up, down, kiss the ground. No, it is that proper salah. That salah as it ought to be read. You know, the Quran Sharif always speaks about yuqimuna salah, to establish salah. So all the outward necessities, requirements, all the inward necessities, requirements, this is farz. 
this is wajib, this is sunnah, this is mustahab. I made sure I do everything. I'm on time in the masjid. I'm trying to be there in the first saf. I'm reading that salah with that full devotion, full concentration. I'm reading it with the takbir ula. I'm reading it like that with that frame of mind. Now that salah is going to bring peace in your life. That salah is going to bring barakah. That salah is going to bring blessings. That salah is going to bring the solution to the problems you have. But now if you just took it like, you know, I just got to read that salah. Never mind, I'll come last in the masjid. I'll be first out. I'll just read it anyhow, haphazardly. Something is makru in namaz. Never mind, I'll do what is makru. Something is not right, I'll still do that. Something contrary to sunnah. I'll just dress anyhow, not thinking now I'm coming to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How am I supposed to be dressed? In the most dignified manner, in the most dignified way. I'm coming before my khalik, before Allah. Allah is giving me that opportunity. As a poet put it very beautifully, now the, month, the, the, the night of Miraj is around the corner. He says on that night, Tuhfai qurbo muhabbat, panjagana haziri. This was a gift that was given to Rasulullah Salah is a gift. Salah is not a burden. Salah is a gift. That five times Allah is giving you the opportunity to present yourself before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now you're reading that salah. You take sabr. Look at sadaqah. In one hadith, Nabi Kareem mentioned, Hassinu amwalakum bi zakah. Fortify your wealth with zakat. Dawu maradakum bi sadaqah. Treat your sick people with sadaqah. How many people are giving sadaqah? Someone getting sick first thing, run to the doctors. Yes, there's nothing wrong with going to the doctors. But how many people are giving sadaqah? Rasulullah said, Dawu maradakum bi sadaqah. Amal. Amal got that effect in it. You cannot see it. But Rasulullah he told you, he had that vision, he had that sight. You're supposed to just accept it. Dawu maradakum bi sadaqah. Before the calamity comes, already start making dua. Making dua, extra dua, excessive dua. All the time asking Allah, begging from Allah, pleading to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Prepare yourself for that calamity. This is the effect of dua. That dua is going to help you. As someone put it very beautifully, they said, do good deeds and throw it in the river. One day it will come to you when you are in the desert. You are doing those good deeds, you are doing it for Allah, not to show anyone, no, not to show anyone, not for a, you know, for any name, not that people must recognize you, you know, I am so generous, or this is how much, I am giving it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and one day that is going to come to help you. Hazrat Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, he mentioned, you know, the reward of one hasana, one good deed, how many benefits a person gets? So he says, for one good deed, first of all, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, will bless that person with a brightness on his face. Remember this brightness that you will get by doing good deeds. All the creams in the world you can put on your face, you won't get that brightness. And that brightness, someone who got brightness in their heart, they will see that brightness on the face. So one is you're going to get a brightness on your face. Then you're going to get a light in your heart. You know, if you got light in your heart, you got direction in your life. The biggest problem is our hearts are dark. We don't have light anymore. So now you've got direction. There's a light in your heart. Then he says, with that, you're going to get some expansion in your risk. You're going to get barkat in your risk. You know, barkat, we're speaking about barkat. Sometimes it's a small amount. But what you can do with that small amount, that small amount will bring about satisfaction. It will bring about fulfillment. There's so much you can achieve with that small amount. And the outcome will be very good. Allah will make a very good outcome. Very good. You know, you'll see the benefits of that, that but that's the barkat. So that's the third benefit he mentions. 
The fourth benefit is, you'll get strength in your body. Now you're feeling motivated. You feel that drive. You want to do good deeds. We're not speaking about physical strength now, where you can run the marathon. No, we're speaking about a strength that will drive you towards doing good deeds because you did one good deed. The nature of one good deed is that it will draw you to another good deed and that will draw you to the third good deed and good deeds will just continue like this. And the fifth thing he said is that Allah will put your respect in the hearts of people. You think to yourself, you're going to get respect by the car you're driving. Now I'm driving this car here, the latest model. You're thinking to yourself, people are going to respect you because of that. You think to yourself, you're going to get respect because of you living in a palatial home or something else. No, Allah puts that respect. So Allah is putting that love for you in the hearts of people. One good deed, imagine, five benefits, one good deed. And the same thing will apply, respected friends. If a person commits a sin, he commits a sin, then you find that the same thing now, he loses the splendor of the face. The darkness comes in his heart. Now he finds that he's losing that barakat in his sustenance. And as well as, it's his, the body is feeling weak. There's no motivation. You see, when a person commits sin, then he loses his tawfiq to do good deeds. Now that man can't come to the masjid. He can't read namaz. Tell him to do anything else, he'll do it. Tell him come to the masjid, it's very difficult. That sin eventually, you know, it overpowers your heart. There is a like darkness that then overcomes your heart. Now he feels estranged in the company of pious people. You tell him, see, by there's this pious man. He's a big buzurk, he's a great Allah wala. He can make dua for you. You can benefit from his company. Now you're feeling estranged. Now you're keeping away. No, no, you know, not for me. I can't go there. I can't be there. Why? This is the effect of sin. This is the effect of the darkness of the heart. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had mentioned to this to us also. A person commits one sin. You see, sin is something like that. When you commit one sin, then you're going to commit another sin and you carry on. So, first one black dot comes on his heart. If he makes toba and he stops, puts himself right, Allah will wipe out that black dot. So you need to constantly make toba all the time. All the time make toba. Because you don't know when you're doing what sin. And... But if he carries on, he persists. Eventually, the whole heart is covered now with darkness. Now the whole heart is blackened. Now he cannot differentiate between right and wrong. Now no matter how many bayans you give that man, he can't understand nothing. Nothing is going to penetrate through his heart anymore. Because the whole heart is blackened. So now the need is now to come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember, sins will have consequences. As we mentioned, that good deeds have got consequences. They have got good benefit, positive outcomes that will come. Positive benefits a person will see in his life. Then sins have also got consequences. Muhammad ibn Yasirin, Rahmatullahi, one point in his life, he got into a debt. And because of that debt, he was a bit uneasy. And then he said that I am convinced that this problem that I have got now is 40 years ago I committed a sin. It is because of that sin 40 years ago I committed. Remember, a person must never think to himself at any point that, you know, I'm living a comfortable life. That could just be a robe from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That could just be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving him respite so that he can get more drowned in the sin, in the transgression. Carry on. Go and do more sin. Commit more oppression. And one day when Allah will seize you, وَكَذَلِكَ أَخْذُ رَبِّكَ إِذَا أَخَذَ الْقُرَى وَهِيَ ظَالِمَةً When Allah seizes that city that oppresses, إِنَّ أَخْذَهُ عَلِيمٌ شَدِيدٌ Remember, the grip of Allah is very painful. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grips that person, 
then there's no force on the surface of this earth that can come and help that man. There's no one that can help you. So always, Muhammad ibn Siri and Ramadan. Some pious people, Fudir ibn Iyaz rahmatullahi mentions, Inni dunubi fi khuluqidabati wamrati. That day, I see my animal is not behaving properly. Immediately I understand this is the effect of my sins. It's my sins. Now it's easy for me to blame it on everyone else. I see my sins in the, in, in the behavior of my wife. I went home that day, my wife is behaving, you know, in, not, in, a, in a decent manner to me. Now I can start bringing the roof down. But what pious people did, they said, it's my sins. Let me go on a musalla. Let me make toba. Let me make istighfar. Let me ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. Allah will change conditions. Man aslaha ma bainahu wa bain Allah. Aslaha Allahu ma bainahu wa bain nas Who will rectify the relationship between him and between Allah? Allah will rectify his relationship with people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in control of the hearts. Whether it's your wife, whether it's your child, whether it's your friend, whether it's your family member, whoever it is, Allah is in control of the hearts. When Allah is turning that heart, now you need to, now look at your own life. Look at your own amal. Something I am doing wrong. Something not right. Something that I am supposed to be doing, I am not doing. Pious people, they constantly inspected, you know, the actions. They looked at their lives and they always pondered, how can we make that positive change? But unfortunately now, we have come to a point where every person feels to himself, and no person should ever feel like this, you know, that I have reached that point where I don't need any reformation. I don't need to reform myself anymore. Every day we should be concerned of how we're going to reform ourselves, what mistakes we have got, what weaknesses we have got, how are we going to put those weaknesses right, how are we going to correct ourselves, rectify ourselves. In this way, yeah, we will draw the assistance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect, but let it never be that because of our sins, in the last moments of our life, we are deprived of iman. You know, there was a, a great muhaddis who was the companion of Hazrat Abdullah ibn Mubarak rahmatullahi. And he mentions, once he spoke to Hazrat Abdullah ibn Mubarak rahmatullahi, and he told Abdullah ibn Mubarak rahmatullahi that both of us, we had a companion who had learned, had more knowledge than both of us collectively. Hazrat Abdullah ibn Mubarak was such a great muhaddis, but that person told him, that one companion we had, one friend we had, he had more knowledge than both of us put together. But I was present in the last moments of his life. And he was told to recite the kalima. He said, I cannot recite it. Imagine, a alim, a great alim, a muhaddis, a man of such great knowledge. He says, I cannot recite the kalima. So, but he was talking. It wasn't that he stopped talking, but he couldn't read the kalima. Again he was told, and the man passed away like that. So he says, I was very, very concerned as to what was the reason. Why was this man deprived of the kalima at the time of death? When I made inquiries, I found out that this person was disobedient to his parents. Because of that disobedience to his parents, now that came right in the end of his life to deprive him of iman. The whole life he lived like a muhaddis, like a great man, like a knowledgeable man. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. No matter how pious a person may be, no matter what amount of knowledge he has, should always have this fear in his heart. Always have this fear, Allah, let it not be that I commit any sins. Allahumma arhamni bitarkil ma'asi abadam ma abaqaitani. Wallah, you have mercy on me and give me the tawfiq to leave out all forms of sins as long as you keep me in this dunya. Respected friends, 
What we understand from all of this is that Allah has created properties in amal. Good amal will always bring about a positive effect in our lives and bad amal will bring about a negative effect. Inshallah, if we can understand this very well and try to always do good amal and stay away from all forms of sins, sins of the tongue, sins of the eye, sins of the heart, Inshallah, we will draw the special rahmat and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.